You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 352. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our Scandinavian journey with the Norwegian Netflix fantasy series Ragnarok. And we're also navigating the new world order that we're all living in. And I don't mean Westworld. Right. So that's a thing, too. Oh, my God. You know, I, I swear I told you I was going to be all caught up, and I, I still have to see the finale that aired okay. last night. So, um, yeah, a couple things I'm going to want to talk about next week. We won't go into too much depth, but uh, the the dynamic between Maeve and Dolores is, is mm-hmm. just fascinating, and I'm not sure exactly I understand what it is they're fighting about, so... Right. Maybe we'll get some more clarity in the finale, which I'm sure you've seen, right? I, I have. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to comment one way or another on anything you've just said. But the, uh, I, I mean, I really like the, I really like, and again, I'm, I still, the next day I go and read reviews and it might just be this one guy, but I think there's other people who are like just down on season three. And I'm like, I just, I, I don't get it. I understand that you know, like people have different taste but i just really really liked uh season three of westworld so well i'm loving it check out david crow on den of geek he's a fantastic writer just uh you know he he makes you want to quit as a critic at least me anyway (laughs) (laughs) and you know i think he sees it for what it is and, and you know sees so many things that I didn't necessarily pick up some things that I did pick up. He just makes them more alive. So, yeah, yeah definitely check him out. Uh, cool. He's been covering that for a while. So, all right. Well, before we go too far, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. You, know, you, you guys, you know, make it possible for us to keep Sci-Fi TV Rewatch on the air, keep our full back catalog available to everybody so uh you know i won't go into too much detail but you know if you're interested you can go to the website and there's a link over on the right hand side of the page we mentioned that we're going to be covering the pilot episode of the forthcoming tnt network sci-fi series snowpiercer that's going to premiere on sunday may 17th so you can mark that down on your calendar which means we're going to talk about episode three of ragnarok tonight episode four next week but then the following week we'll talk about snowpiercer and then come back and dude you, you know what's going to happen here snowpiercer is going to be freaking amazing yeah and then we're saying <laughs> yeah but ragnarok's pretty amazing in its own right yeah. and so uh, we'll deal with it when it happens yep yep exactly so we will just we, we just set up obstacles in front of ourselves. And then we'll deal with the consequences of that later. Exactly. And I don't know if you saw the poll that uh, Fred put up on the Facebook group. I mean, it's not a poll that he's running. He was providing a link to a poll. And gosh, now I can't remember. It's one of these big websites. And they had done like an NCAA uh, bracket kind of thing with TV shows. And I believe they were more than just genre shows. And it got down to the final two was Dark Mirror and Dark. Mm-hmm. Did you see the result? Uh, well, when I voted, Dark was way ahead. Yes, Dark crushed. I think it was 80% to 20%. So on the one hand, not surprising. On the other hand, yeah, I'm kind of surprised it was that much because Dark Mirror's got a lot of fans. So yeah. 
Well, and it's it's really good. And I, it's really good, yeah. Honestly, I had trouble deciding which one I was going to vote for. Oh, uh, well, I didn't have but, that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the King, the Last Kingdom uh, couldn't get out of the second round, man. I saw that. Yeah, and and, a- and that's one that I have to get to because I, I, I'm so into Vikings, and you know, while I'm waiting for Vikings to return, I just heard so many good things from you and you know others on the internet. So uh, yeah, but what are you watching this week? Well, funny enough, Last Kingdom. Okay. <laughs> Uh, season four came out, uh, last week, week and a half ago, I think maybe. And I was just like, you know, I've got a little bit extra time in my hands. I was thinking about doing this anyway. Uh, I went back and right now I'm rewatching the first three seasons. Wow. Cool. So, and it's easy. Like the first two are only like eight episodes a piece. Then, uh, season three, I believe was 10 episodes. So it's, it's not hard to, to get through it pretty quickly, but uh, as you just said, I mean, if if you like Vikings, you absolutely have to watch The Last Kingdom. You will love, love, love with the capital L this show. Um, and honestly, I think it might be a better written show, like especially like the dialogue, I think. Um, there's a little bit more humor in it and not, you know, there's still plenty of like violence, but I think sometimes Vikings gets caught up too much in the violence. The Last Kingdom has moments to go back and show some of those things that, you know, of, of why they're doing, you know, like the, what these people are fighting for, what these guys, especially, um, you know, uh, the, the main character, what, what his motivations are. And just, it's not all about just blood and death and everything. Not that Vikings is just about blood and death, but, um, so it's, it's amazing. It's really good. I'm loving, uh, going back through and watching again and having fun. So the other thing I really quickly want to mention, cause I have mentioned before, so I'm not going to talk that much is that I did just finish, uh, Silicon Valley, oh, okay. the HBO series. And that was very, very funny. Um, I'm going to kind of miss it. It's a nice little, you know, end of the night and watch just a half hour show. Boom, quick. Um, but yeah, it was great about these guys trying to make it in the tech world of Silicon Valley and, you know, trying to fight against the big giants and everything. And yeah, it was great. Really mm-hmm. fun. The, the last episode was was spectacular. Um, just a really funny show. And uh, there's a lot, like six seasons. So there, there's plenty to watch there. Cool. Well, this is a non-Netflix week for me in terms of what I'm watching outside of Ragnarok because it marks the return of Paul Giamatti and Damian Lewis in season five of Showtime's drama Billions, which takes a peek behind the curtains of not only the New York DA's office, but also a billionaire hedge fund king played by Damian Lewis. And, and these two have been going at each other for four seasons. Last season, they were working together. This season, who the hell knows what's going on? It's like one of the characters said in the season five premiere, oh, it's a triple cross. I'm like, okay, I, you know, so he knows that you know that he knows that you know. So at this point, who knows? Now, <laughs> the other thing, and, and the other thing I'm, I'm kind of glad about is, is that I don't have to worry about binging it because it's just one episode a week and it just returned. But I am binging season two of HBO's Italian drama, 
my brilliant friend. Now, before some of you out there roll your eyes and go, oh, my God, Dave, I thought I knew you. Sorry, uh, I already did. I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> uh, you know, this is clearly a show that, that my wife brought to the table, but I really am enjoying it. I mean, it traces the complicated relationship of two bright young women in the late 1950s, early 1960s Italy, which is a culture that most definitely is not prepared to embrace young, intelligent, independent women. So it, it, it really, there's so many things that I do like about it, not the least of which is the cool cars that you see. And mm-hmm. these are just small, everyday cars, but uh, I, I'm just loving it. And then, of course, Westworld that I mentioned uh, mentioned earlier. So uh, my brilliant friend, it's uh, not what I thought it was going to be. Um, I'm liking it. We got the finale to watch, but uh, I believe my wife fell asleep just as I was coming up. So I think I may <laughs> have a chance to knock out the Westworld finale after we're done recording. So life is good. Yeah, cool. So anyway, ironically, she was perusing the Life is Good t-shirts. I don't know if you are aware of what those are. No, no. They're just they they have this little symbol, Life is Good, and I think they have like cats and her and her mother (laughs) into them. All right. Anyway, all right. Well, let's talk about uh, Ragnarok, episode three of season one, Udelheim, written by Marietta von Hauswolf von Baumgarten, who is a Swedish screenwriter who maybe didn't think ahead before she married <laughs> uh so she's got two vons in her last name directed right. by mogens hagedorn who has directed the first three episodes i don't know if you looked up the word heim in norwegian but it translates to home uh not in norwegian but in icelandic okay and, and that's a, a theme that that moves throughout this episode when they're listening to music mostly right and i guess the the one thing that comes out of this episode is are the utils now prepared to welcome or repel manya and what of Lawrence? i mean do we still believe he might have a different father you know fred posited that and i believe you did as well that that well perhaps- no, i was I, I i give credit to that to fred i just kind of um threw my head in with that agreeing with him but that was his his totally his thought okay but at this point uh i think we almost have to let that one go you know mm, i don't know well i mean i guess it's possible well, i mean well I, I, yeah I could, oh, yeah i'm sorry I'm interrupting you sorry about that oh no that's okay go ahead you've kind of made me think well yeah like wouldn't we see Vidar behaving in a certain manner towards him if that were the case, right? And, and that's what I'm thinking as well. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been in close quarters long enough at this point. I mean, we haven't seen any awkward glances from anybody. And, and again, one of the things that comes out of this scene is that this family unit has undergone a lot of transformations over the past decades centuries i mean we don't really necessarily have a a timetable that we're prepared to put on it so mm-hmm. um, yeah right you you would think at least one of them would would have an inkling if that was the case but right. again i guess it's technically still in play you know we talked about the old woman opening up whatever was inside of magna back in mm-hmm. episode one does the ancient mead open up his vision 
you know, one of the things we can talk about tonight. I mean, certainly he sees uh, Ron for who she really is, or was that just a hallucination? I mean, oh. yeah, and and Fred brings that up, right? So, um, I, I don't know. Do you want to talk about it now, or do you want to wait till the end? I guess. Yeah, I guess we'll wait. Okay. Um, <clears throat> because yeah, I, I I I have definite ideas about about that. Okay. Uh, the, the other thing, and I mentioned the, the family dynamic at the Udelheim, who's really in charge there? Yeah, right. <laughs> Which wow. was kind of cool about this dinner. But uh, what, what I want to lead into is what we see with Gree, because it just seems a foregone conclusion that she's going to develop suspicions about everything that's going on. Will she put her life in danger uh, the way Isolde did, although for a different reason. And whereas we had Lucas and the Mennonites, now we've got Gree and the gods. It yeah. doesn't quite have the same ring, though. You no, know? it's still like Lucas and the Mennonites. Yeah. <laughs> we see everybody in a different light now, but early on, Fior hits on Gree in the hallway. And one of the things I like about this show and, and, and certainly impulse was, was guilty of not moving things quickly enough. As we've said many times, she immediately brings up the fact that dude, I saw your father beat the crap out of you. What's up with that? Yeah. And you know, he kind of brushes it off uh, old fashioned dad and then just starts, you know, sweet talking her into going for a ride with him. I, I, you know, I mean, Volvos are nice cars. Don't get me wrong, uh, but <laughs> figured he'd have something even fancier but maybe they don't want to draw undue attention to themselves that that does seem to be a a theme that also is part of this episode as well yeah well that's that's a good catch because i thought the same thing like here is the you know the rich kid uh the kid whose parents have basically owned the town and his car well again yes a very nice car but not something as showy as you'd think is like you know rolling up in like you know like a sports car or in a hummer or something like that you know you know that, that probably speaks to a couple of things which the, the family actually touches on here is that they're trying to keep this low profile right and not stand out too much uh or make the humans question what's going on with them and i guess in in a more simple way if you think even if you we're in this small town and which seems fairly working class town and you're the family that has all the money, you know, it's just kind of bad form to throw in people's faces like that, you know? Yeah. And you know, the, that scene in the diner with uh, Saxon Fjord's posse is grabbing lunch and the cop's son, I forgot, I had his name last week Oscar. in my notes, Oscar, right? He mentions the details of the party are circulating Hey, and a couple guys had sex with your mom, a threesome. <laughs> Just casually throws that out there. Yeah. And Saxa, of course, deftly deflects it. But then that simply leads into that other girl who, I don't know if we've seen her before. She's just part of the group. Starts teasing Gree about having a boyfriend. And I assume she's referring to Magna. And then it evolves into teasing her about being a virgin yeah. Which causes her to bolt and go home. And I'm, okay, what the hell is that all about? I mean, it does allow us to see inside Gree's 
life because her mom's a hairstylist. They live on the other side of the uh, salon. Dad's apparently in a battle with the insurance company and, and points out that he got denied, and, and it appears as if it's going to financially ruin the family. Well, so, it seems like he might be kind of dying, too. All right, as well, but hopefully that's going to go somewhere. I mean, but I guess more importantly, Gree has kind of been established as the outsider. I mean, we know what the Utils are. Well, we don't know exactly what they are, but we know they're not right. human. Right. Uh, we know about Lawrence. At least we, we strongly sense about Lawrence. We certainly know about his brother. So are there others or is it just going to be these six? Uh, True. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly we've got Odin or, or the guy you correctly identify as Odin and then uh, whoever the woman actually turns out to be in terms of Norse mythology. But um, yeah, yeah, this thing with Gree, I, I really like her character. I really like the relationship that that's developing between her and Magna. And, and of course, we've talked about him being socially awkward uh, here's the jacket that Isolde was wearing when she died. <laughs> Do you want to smell it? <laughs> and you see her kind of cringe back and like, oh my God, I'm just thinking, oh, this poor girl. I mean, she clearly likes him. She's clearly willing to put up with his idiosyncrasies. And I, she says the second time, the first time she smells it, she seems to react to something pungent. The second time, she says, I don't smell anything. And he's like, what? And, of course, we're owing that to his heightened sense of smell, right. which we just figure must be you know, added to the list. But, yeah. oh. Yeah, well, I, yeah, Grease definitely, she, she is, without a doubt, like kind of, you see her as the, I don't know if I should say the moral center of this, but she's someone who, she's at the center of things, right? She She's in with this popular group, but she's not in in with them. She's not like one of them. She's not, you know, as she's she's a good person, not a not a, a complete tool. And you know, she confided in Saxa that information about her virginity. So when Saxa, when that other girl mentions it, obviously Saxa kind of spilled the beans. So we might say, well, Saxa is clearly a terrible person. But on the other hand, this is right after Fidar told the whole family, basically, you know, we got no more best friends, no more girlfriends. I kind of see that as her way of cutting Gree out, you know, like as, you know, they like maybe they actually, she was starting to feel a friendship with Gree, but now she realized she has to, you know, cut her off. So she does that yeah oh that was a secret purpose my bad yeah. Ooh, oh and by darn. the way i i i watched the rewatch with the english dubbed audio that's some uh-huh. of the best dubbed audio i think right? of any show i've watched i think that's really done well it's done very well i thought yeah uh, i mean i've certainly talked about dark that you have to watch dark with the english as i don't want to say it's bad but it's not good but it's so dense, you, you you just can't afford to not listen yeah. to it. And I do both. I, I can't read and watch that quickly for, with Dark. Well, I even do both. I leave the subtitles on and listen to it in English. And then the, the show The Rain, uh, I did the same thing. The subtitles 
uh, with the English audio, and that audio was a little bit better. But yeah, this this was really done well. But I, I'm glad you brought up about her being the moral center because that's the thing about Magna is that he's he's gaining all these powers, but he still is focused on you know bringing the truth about Isolde's death to light. But I think we already can see that he's perhaps considering going the vigilante route and maybe it'll be greed that'll bring him back i wonder yeah so yeah possibility all right well let's talk about magna for a second because get that opening scene giants are associated with supernatural creatures doing destructive things right so we've talked about what are the utils? Are they gods? Are they giants? Are they hybrids? So we still don't know exactly, but I'm kind of leaning towards giants. Otherwise, yeah. what was uh, yeah, the purpose? I, I, right. I was leaning towards gods before the beginning of the show. <laughs> right. Before this episode. Uh, and then at the beginning when they, with the stuff about giants, well, why would they put that up there? Oh, you know, and how does the definition basically 100% apply to the Udall family? So, you know, yeah. Right. Now, the boys confront their sketchy neighbor about breaking into their trailer, and it turns out they were partially correct. He did steal Lawrence's headphones, but he claims that, you know, somebody already had broken in, and he was just, you know, picking over the remains and describes what everybody knows is vidar's car and yeah we get that scene later we'll talk about it when we talk about the the dinner at the utils but dude isn't very smart is he uh, no. uh vidar that is it's yeah no. <laughs> so i don't even know what to say about that but well, well i think we had said it last week and and fred mentioned again this week is just uh, he's used to just being able to do whatever the hell he wants to do and who's going to stop him right right Right. So, yeah, I'll just break into someone's house in broad daylight while they're at a funeral and ransack their house. Right. And, and we talked about it last week. Ron seems to imply that she was at the funeral as well. Uh, we know the children were, but he was uh, obviously uh, doing his dirty work later. But, you know, after that, we get Magna confronting Oscar's mother about the accident. And she's sticking to the wind pushed her into the mountain story. <laughs> even though he claims there was no wind and I love it. And yeah. she's like, well, who do you think knows better? The meteorologist or you, huh? me, me. <laughs> and then that's great. And, and so here's my question. Do you think she's in on something? She mentions, well, according to your statement, you got down from the mountain to the town in 30 minutes. It should take 90. Am I investigating you? No, because no. it's not important. That's, that's actually a pretty solid point. And it made me wonder whether or not she is part of Vidar's family, not, not his inner circle family, but perhaps the, on the periphery. Because I guess we have to wonder, is it just the four of them or does it extend? Because I think we pretty much know, you know, the, the guy that we consider to be Odin and gosh, I got his name in my notes somewhere. And of course I can't find it uh, like Gotar or uh, Motar. No, that's that commercial where the guy's half centaur and half motorcycle. Um, you know which one I'm talking about? Not really. No. Real, uh, Wotan. 
uh, is the guy in the wheelchair with one eye. You never saw that. It's like, I, I think it's a Geico commercial. <laughs> These guys drive up to a gas station and you see that this it's a centaur and he's got the body of a man that melds into the motorcycle. Ah, uh, okay. I, I definitely have not seen that. That sounds pretty funny, though. <laughs> he is a motar. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, so then Magna, he gets these ideas. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't realize that I came down from the mountain that quickly. So he goes on this little indoor track, times himself. Uh, and I was already in my notes. I, I was looking up what the actual world record is. And it is 9.58 by Usain Bolt. Right. And, but he even mentions that he beat the world record by two and a half seconds, which is, you know, exactly what he did. But I'm sitting there watching this episode the first time on my laptop in the living room with earbuds on and my wife was on the other couch doing whatever. I don't know about you, but not knowing he was going to get hit by the snowplow, I reacted pretty violently on my couch. And my wife was like, well, are you all right? I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah i don't think magna is <laughs> yeah i am so upset by that scene you're bringing back just trauma here dave so i was looking down typing something into my notes and all of a sudden i hear a crash and i look up i'm like what the hell just happened man so i had to rewind it but i knew like someone you know because i saw the snowplow and i saw magna so obviously magna just got hit but I was totally robbed of that experience. I was so mad at myself. Yeah. And, you know, then we get the scene when he's at the emergency room. And, of course, the doctor and the nurses are astonished. He's got no broken bones, no bruises. His clothes are obviously uh, all torn up. But as he's waiting there, he even he seems concerned Although, I, I guess on the one hand, things are starting to make sense. Maybe he's concerned like, my God, what am I? Which is, again, a question that comes up several times in this episode. And then as he leaves, we see the orderlies wheeling in the dead body of uh, the neighbor that stole the headphones. So we know yeah, we know who's taking care of that, or we certainly right. can suspect. Well, we, we saw before, is we saw Vidar um, you know, taking off plastic gloves and throwing them into the trash can. So right, like, right, exactly. Oh, I guess that's it for uh, the junkie neighbor. Yep, yep. So now we're uh, trying to figure out what's up with the Udall family. And, you know, I mentioned that it seems as if Magna is going to go the vigilante route. And, I mean, he has a meeting with the school psychologist. And we don't really know if he went to see him on his own, which I doubt, or whether he was summoned to come see him. I'm guessing that was the case. But he tells the psychologist the only way to make things happen is to oppose those in power. So I think we've known all along this was going to come down to a fight between Magna and the Utils. Whether it's going to occur at the end of season one or not is still to be determined. But um, so much for confidentiality. Yeah. <laughs> right. Worst school psychologist ever. Right? Oh, and we thought he was bad last week. Yeah, but at least last week I thought he was kind of funny, but now he's not funny and he's just bad. Right. So the manipulation on her end, look, 
you know, we've both worked for a lot of administrators, a lot of principals over the years. Some have acted in a more intimidating manner than not. But, you know, I don't know that we ever worked for anybody that asked you to do something that was wrong. Yeah. You know, I mean, morally and ethically wrong. And this just comes out so casually and he's like, well, you know, I'm confidentiality, but you're the principal. And, you know, and then, of course, she even mentions to uh, Vidar later at home that, yeah, luckily, the psychologist likes your wife and, <laughs> you know, spilled right. the beans about uh, about Magna. And, and, of course, they're trying to figure out, well, OK, well, what is he? She's like, yeah, we're going to find out. We're going to have everybody to dinner tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, but but what do you think about the the confrontation when he gets home between uh, husband and wife? I guess they're husband and wife about the break in. I mean, is she the one in charge? I mean, we talked about that at the beginning yeah. of the discussion. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, who is in charge? You know, again, Fred mentions this at the end, but it was you know obvious during the thing that this is the the dynamic of this family is not your normal dynamic. Now, we see a dad beating the crap out of his son because his son did something stupid. Okay, uh, that's not great, but I, we see the, the, a, a power structure that we're used to. But now it looks like, yeah, that, that Fidar is very deferential to Rand. And again, not there's definitely nothing wrong with that. But But then we find out that there was this something happened in, I can't remember what it was. 1967. Yeah, 1967, like some kind of convocation or something that apparently, uh, you know, Fior did not allow Vidar ran into. Right. So you're like, well, wait. So here's my kind of theory about what might be going on here. And this is kind of like from seeing the Almighty Johnsons, is that these corporal... um you know, forms that they take on Earth are, you know, they maybe they, you know, cycle in and out of them, you know, like they'll ride a, a skin suit for a, a couple decades and then, you know, chuck it in and then re- be reborn again. So you're going to get this kind of cycle of younger gods or whatever, giants, whatever they are, the, you know, the older and the younger generation always cycling back and forth with one another okay so Something they're like uh they're ch- they're changing sleeves right yeah so i don't alter- know where i get that concept from but a little yeah, altered like, carbon action there yeah. but but <laughs> uh, but i do like that and uh you know it's we find out that they hid something you know in these tunnels back in 1967 and now they're afraid with with the ice melting and, and whatever else that they're going to get caught. And, you know, they have that family discussion. Well, you know, why'd you hide it there? And, and Fjord, as you mentioned, he was apparently in charge then. It's like, well, that's what everybody did then. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we didn't know this all was be melting at <laughs> this incredibly pronounced rate. Right. But uh, Ron wasn't, involved in the council's decision because she and vidar were apparently children back then so we don't know you know if we if we accept your theory which i think is a good theory how is it that they choose the forms that they you know that they take i mean were these real 
forms? Were these real people and they just, you know, body jumped into them? Again, maybe we'll find out. But, uh, you know, the... Because actually that's what happens in the comic book, Thor. Uh, The guy who is Thor finds the hammer and, and then he then transforms into Thor. So like... And then he can kind of get rid of Thor and then be himself during the day. And then he grabs hammer and becomes Thor again. So. Okay. Well, at least he didn't turn green so far. True. But, uh, um, but they're, if they're giants, you know, that that's possibly in the possibility. You know? Green giant. Oh, right. Okay. That's what I say. Um, You're really uh, affected by the consumer culture, Dave. I'm starting to worry about you. I, I know. <laughs> um, that reminds me of that... Uh, uh, that movie with uh, Sandra Bullock and, uh, gosh, what's the guy? Sylvester Stallone, Time, not Time Cop. Uh, oh, Judge Dredd. No, but no, it was what? before Judge Dredd where they, they Wesley there Snipes is this, like psycho who escapes from cryo prison and then they oh, have to they have demolition to th- man demolition man exactly that's where they're listening on the radio they're all obsessed with jingles from the 20th century advertising <laughs> jingles but uh that's one of those i hesitate to say great movie but i always enjoy watching it whenever it's on but you know this whole thing about the icelandic language keeps coming up uh you know they're in the car Fjord puts on some metal music that's sung in the old language and and immediately Saxus cuts him off almost like, no, it's Icelandic, which gets me to thinking, is it really Icelandic or is that just to deflect anybody asking questions about, well, why are you listening to music in the old language and what is the old language? So do you want to hear Wayne's quick and superficial etymology search? I love it. Let's hear it. (laughs) So... Um, back when the Vikings were roaming around and pillaging, basically conquering and settling all over um, Northern Europe and Eastern Europe and, and the, even North America, um, they all spoke Old Norse. Now, once they saw, as we see what happens in England, right, where the, the Norse that settled in England, their language kind of joined and evolved along with old English and they kind of formed a common language as the people um, living next to one another and intermarrying things like that. Eventually their language became one. We still call it old English, but it had a lot of influence from that old Norse. Now Iceland is, has been isolated and the Icelandic language has really not changed dramatically and hasn't been influenced by other languages so whereas french and english and german and ukrainian and all these languages that were affected by uh, the norse or where the norse went and their language changed iceland that didn't happen so modern day icelandic is very similar to old norse i actually read somewhere that like students in iceland today can read old norse Wow. Like the 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 book of Edda or whatever that yeah the, those kids can read that so kind of like what you're saying there it it works both ways because someone says what language is this well Saxon can honestly say it's Icelandic because that makes sense right oh we're just listening to this cool band from Iceland but if she had said oh that's Old Norse then everyone would be like. 
what the hell, you know? So, so I guess it's, it's a little of both, but yeah, because that, that either way, it is the old language of the Vikings, this old Norse language. Okay. And speaking of Iceland, Vikings and the Norse, dude, Floki is in Westworld. Yeah. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Gustav. Yeah, I'm not sure if I did when I first saw it, but I was listening to a, a podcast, uh, when I was watching season two, and then they they had said, "Oh yeah, it's Floki," and then I went back and I'm like, "Oh yeah, Floki." So, um, all right. Well, anyway, so they're they're riding along in the car. A bird hits it, and at first we're wondering why are they stopping the car to see if the bird's right. okay. These two do not seem as if they would care about exactly. anybody. But I guess she was hungry, right? I mean. <laughs> She's feeling a little peckish. They get out, find the birds barely alive, and she eats it. She just eats it. And well, not then, the feet. Right, not the feet. So Girls got to have standards. Yep. And, okay. <laughs> and, 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 you know, when the kids are talking to their dad about the fact that he killed Isolde, and I think it's Saxa that says, well, did you bleed her or sacrifice her? So we haven't necessarily seen any evidence that they're drinking the blood. So not sure exactly what bleeding her would do or mean. I mean, you know, we, we you know, in Vikings and I'm, and I'm sure in the, uh, what's the show you keep, uh, the last kingdom, the last kingdom, I, you know, we don't see them drinking blood. We see them pouring blood over them in, in different mm-hmm. ceremonies. So, uh, whatever that was, uh, I was trying to get a screen cap, like, oh, if I can get a picture of her putting the bird right in her mouth, I'll use that for our blog post. Nice. I, get a, I couldn't get a good one. So, uh, but you know, we, we talked about mom challenge accepted. Dave. <laughs> okay. You'll have them by the end of the day tomorrow. All right. <laughs> we talked about Magna getting hit by the snow plow and Wotan, who, who we suspect is Odin. And I believe her name is Wenka. Uh, they're watching him as if, they know it's going to happen. She certainly doesn't look concerned. In fact, it almost seems as if it pleases her. Right. And I guess on the one hand, maybe it pleases her because she's thinking, all right, he's going to realize who he is or what powers he has. So, you know, is she going to step out and maybe help him take the last few steps to recognition of who it is that he actually is that yeah. would be cool i mean yeah that was, she better move fast though because the the utils definitely have the inside track on that one well well they do now they don't have the inside track totally on uh, hiding the family deeds because okay uh, you know we always have something to criticize about how they treat teenagers or high school situations <laughs> or whatever right um, I mean, the teacher does eventually cut her off uh, in her little diatribe <laughs> against yeah. uh, manga in class. Uh, and the teacher does mention to him later in the hallway, ah, you just have to understand that it's a very touchy subject around here. It's yeah. like, you're the teacher. She's the student. Yeah. Shut the hell up. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> Well, you could you could just see him like you just imagine that guy's up there. Magnus starts talking. Magnus, sorry, 
Manya starts talking, and the teacher's just like, no, no, don't go there, don't go there, please don't go there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, well, the other thing I wonder, would Saxa have reacted the way she reacts? Remember, she walks into class late, and she thinks he's dead. Right. And there he is, you know, looking <laughs> perfectly well in the back of the room, so that catches her off guard. And then when he challenges the family, you know, about the salmon. So I wonder whether that the two of them working together maybe exacerbated her reaction. But, you know, either way, it's uh, it just kind of sets the tone for the the coming conflict between the two families and Mm -hmm. whether Lawrence and Manya's mother is anybody remains to be seen i'm guessing no but right because she's aging right and right. you know i think last episode ron said something about you know see they get old they, you know and everything so she seems to be uh, referring to hilda as being the others the humans right but she does recognize and and maybe this is just in passing it's a good thing that the men are strong in our family so, you know, is there a history of perhaps unnaturally strong men that maybe were never activated, for lack of a better word, so that didn't draw the attention that Manya seems to be uh, drawing at this point? Right. And, you know, again, maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't, but we do find out a lot at dinner. And I guess it all comes down to what, well, you, you know, even starting with the with the dinner at, at first, I'm thinking like, oh, it's pretty fancy. And I guess it was all seafood, which, of course, makes sense no. because. Well, well the, at first, at the, first. Right, right, right. Uh, right. You know, yeah. the sea urchins and the uh, yeah. lobster. But there's a crap load of food there. And then that was even. That was the, only the first course. Right. That was just the first course. And then uh, she brings out the lamb, and he just like pushes his hand on, and nobody acts like that was wrong. And then yeah. we bring out the red meat, and the next thing you know, we're doing the sexy dancing to the uh, uh, the old language metal music. Uh, I, you know, I, at first, I don't know was, if I'd call his dancing sexy. I don't know. Well, yeah, okay. Well, he, he <laughs> once he starts dancing, it's uh, obviously it's very violent, you yeah, know, physically. But we we do see these flashes of Saxa getting close to him. I assume she's doing that not because she's attracted to him, but because she's trying to find out what the hell's going on with right. him. Right. Well, I mean, you get a feeling like this whole meal, like each one is a test, like like he's leveling up after each course, you know. All right, will he eat all this stuff? Okay. Here's, you know, he's like checking off, right? He's not this, 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 but he might be this, this, this. So then the lamb, he just wolfs it all down. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Here's, here's, you know, and then you feel like the meat is like then, like that's... The final. Yeah, right? Like, and they look at each other like, are you sure we want to do this? Almost like if he's a human and he drinks this stuff, that'll kill him, you know? So I get a feeling like the meat was like the final test. Like if he is who we think he is, then he'll be able to drink this. And if he's not... He's going to die. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> Manya drains his horn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. 
Yes, he did. Sometimes you write funny things in notes. You don't even realize it, you know, like, uh, but, but, you know, as he does that, as you said, I mean, it's a test. If he's human, it's going to kill him. If he's not, then he's something else. But it almost appears as if Saxa and Vidar are pleased to see that, A, it doesn't kill him. Now, I guess on the one hand, you might say, well, they're pleased that it doesn't kill him, so they don't have another body to dispose of. <laughs> right. But I sense that it's more than that. And then, of course, he asks for more Lawrence is still kind of floating around in the background and you know it's it's funny because this old language Icelandic metal music seems to be sort of a test in and of itself that because he is so drawn to it Lawrence that is I think that reinforces that you know, he's waiting to be woken up as well uh-huh. We're just going to have to wait a little bit longer for that. Yeah, this you know it's just well, like you said, you know, I mean, obviously we have a, a significant amount of of just kind of putting our suspicions and uh, you know our, our judgments aside because you know I mean, look at this on the one hand we're like okay, a high school kid goes to his principal's house for dinner and ends up getting super drunk. Because the principal and her husband keep giving him loads of booze. Like, you know, um, so, you know, obviously, and, and again, I don't know, like half of me think maybe that's the, you know, it is Europe, as we said before. Um, but, uh, you know, but this is, you know, it's just so, they are clearly so used to just, you know. Uh, doing whatever they want. Right, exactly. Do whatever they want, playing by their own rules that, you know, what are you going to do? Right, you got you know how many people would love to be invited for dinner over here, so now you know we mentioned the dancing, and that leads to him picking up the axe, throwing it at the target hanging on the wall, and it splits. Uh, Rand tells him that no one's ever done that, and we'd seen the family earlier in the episode throwing it, and you know it would stick in the target, but you know just you know an inch or so go through it, yeah. But that leads to the arm wrestling. And, of course, he's certain he'll crush her. You know, once it becomes a standoff, who are you, she asks, and he asks the same. Yeah. So does she reveal herself to him, or is he able to see her for who she really is? Right. So, yeah, that's another thing that, that Fred brought up. Um, I mean, a couple of the, obviously, both of them are surprised at, by the other, right? Yeah. I mean— that that's the what the level that I like about this because you know obviously Manya is going in very cocky. I mean I'm super strong. I throw hammers for half a kilometer, and then when he's having tr- you know trouble beating Ron, then he's like, "What the hell is going on?" Of course, she also is thinking, "What the hell is going on? Who is this guy?" And then yeah, when he sees her as that old lady, I personally feel like. He's seeing her as she truly is. Okay. As opposed to her allowing herself to be seen. Right. Okay. Right. Though she did win the arm wrestling matches right after that. So, (laughs) but I think he just saw her as she really was. Of course, he's shocked. And And then at the end, when he looks in the mirror, I think he's also seeing himself as he truly is. Right. To leave us with that image... I just love it on so many levels. And 
what must he be thinking? What must she be thinking? Obviously, we're going to get to see the family talk about what went on at the house that night. Or are we going to see him come out of the bathroom and we're going to get the confrontation between all six? So, yeah. A lot to look forward to. I I, yeah. I really like this episode a yeah. lot. Um, right. Yeah. And that last image was awesome. Like he looks in the mirror and he looks super cool. You know, you're just like, yeah, he's, he's Thor bitches. You know, just like, <laughs> yeah, that's probably the one I'm going to use in the blog post. I did get that one, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, anything else you want to bring up? I don't think so. Okay. Um, you want to talk about a grade before we listen to Fred? Yeah, I could. I, I could Come on, you I know you give, want to. All right, I'll give it an A minus. All right, good. All right, there. You made me do it. All right, <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Uh, yes, I, I obviously concur. So, all right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the Norwegian series Ragnarok. Season 1, Episode 3. In this section, what are we watching? I'm currently watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3. And Dave, I'm enjoying very much your podcast about this series together with Mike called The Sandbox. Another topic is that I was thinking about my Patreon choice and I recently saw for the first time the film Ex Machina And I really thought that could be a nice choice, but I'm always considering Hemlock Grove, the next episode. You did episode one and on my request episode two. This Ragnarok, your tool family, reminds me so much of the Godfrey family in Hemlock Grove that I think it would be a very interesting thing to take the next episode of Hemlock Grove. Sorry guys, you did it yourself. First off, I have two remarks about last week's podcast about the dubbed version of this series. One was that I was not so charmed about the English dubbed version because actors had Norwegian accents. And Wayne suggested that it could be that it are the original actors that did the dubbing. It's difficult to verify that, but I have the idea that's right. And then these Norwegian accents, of course, are more explainable and makes it, as Wayne said, more real. But if this would be Norwegian-like accents just by dubbing actors, I would find it quite artificial. The second thing was that I complained about the fact that Vidar is constantly speaking English here and then suddenly when he feeds his dog that he talks Norwegian. But possibly this is not Norwegian, this is the Icelandic language that is also in this song which the kids play in the car and which has a special effect on these creatures. If you see when that song or this kind of music is played during the dance in episode 2. So perhaps Fidar was talking Icelandic to his dog and that is why they left that in and didn't translate that to English. I'm not that good in my Nordic languages to distinguish between Icelandic and Norwegian. But in these modern times we have all kinds of possibilities to investigate this and, of course, I did a Freddish or Freddistic analysis of this. 
first indication is that there is for this episode, episode 2, a forced Norwegian subtitle. And forced means that is translated or subtitled, which is a different language. And only in this little part where Fidar feeds his dog, there is a subtitle there in the Norwegian forced subtitle. Another possibility was, of course, to look at the Norwegian subtitles for the deaf. If there would be, between brackets, speaking Icelandic. But it's a pity, it's not there. And then, of course, we have Google Translate. So Fidor is saying to his dog when he feeds him this piece of meat, not until I say it. So the, the dog only may grab the piece of meat after Fidor says it. If you put that in Google Translate and you translate that to Icelandic and you look how that should sound and how it should sound in Norwegian, you discover that it's certainly not Norwegian and very probably Icelandic. And actually I should compliment the dubbing instead of complaining about it because one, the Norwegian actors did the dubbing themselves And two, they left in this small sentence that is in Icelandic instead of just going over it and translate it in English as well. Okay, long talk about a minor topic, but the other side of it is, is this Icelandic somewhere indicative for who these gods or giants or whatever could be? Is there a reason why this Icelandic is very important? Although Fjord calls it the old tongue when they are driving in the car and then Saxa says Icelandic. But it doesn't completely work because Loritz is still asking what this old tongue means and then Saxa is not giving any answer and then the whole thing is disturbed by the bird that flies into the windscreen of the car. And I really wonder if that was caused by Fjord or Saxa just to prevent to give an answer to this question. Another thing was you wondered if Saxa and Fjord also can get these yellow eyes. Well, Saxa surely and clearly during the dance, but also in Fjord, although only half a second and you really have to pause the episode there to really see it. I will send you some pictures to prove that. But I couldn't detect it in Lauritz. I discussed whether the Utul adults didn't go to the funeral of Isolde. Well, obviously Rand did. Rand was already in the church, whereas we see Fjord and Saxa go in. And that Fidar is not going is clear because he broke into Magnus' house. And I think Wayne is right that this family can do whatever they want. So if the head of Utool Industries doesn't want to go to a funeral, it probably will be accepted. Interesting is this Wotan and Ventje when Magne is run over by this big snow truck. After he is hit by this truck, she is not disturbed by it at all and even smiles, as if she knows what's going to happen. I really wonder why these Yutul family members do want to interact in a semi-normal way with all these stupid humans and they cannot hide themselves properly. They also discuss this. Saxa having classmates over and Fidor killing Isolde and Ren having sex with students. 
Fjord being on memory lane. Well, after this discussion in the family, Saxa does a very bad job when Magne is asking in class about the poisoning of the fish in the lake. She fully goes into the defense there, whereas there is no actually a reason for. So she places herself there in the attention. Not very bright. Okay, then about the dinner party at Jutulheim. I find it, to start with, quite strange that Magne even went along with this invitation. He has a big, big suspicion that it was Vidar who broke into their house and still he goes there for a dinner party. A thing I noticed is that Loritz is quite in the background in this part of the story, whereas he normally is not so much a in-the-background figure. Is this just for Tori constructive reasons? As, for instance, that the writers wanted to have Magne in the center of the story. Or is there really a reason within the story? And I wonder, the wren that Magna sees, this old wrinkled lady with the yellow eyes, is that just a vision, or is that actually how she really looks? Well, when he looks at himself in the mirror, he also sees things that are not there. So, for now, I would go for a vision. I like the arm wrestling sequence, by the way, very much. Nice tension in that, but it makes, at least for Magna clear, knowing how his own powers are, how very powerful this woman is. Biggest question mark from this episode for me is the discussion that the U-Tools have with each other. It's about hiding the stuff in the glacier back in 1967. And then there is a discussion, you were children, says Fjord to his parents. Then I wonder why Ren looks so old when she arm wrestles a Magna. And then there is a discussion about the council. You should have admitted us to the council, says Ren to Fjord. So is Fjord much older and was he kind of the boss somehow? And then I find it very strange that Vidar was punishing or hitting Fjord in the last episode if Fjord would be higher up in the ranks somehow. And finally, as said in the beginning of this audio feedback, I'm currently watching The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And from the sandbox, you had a very wise advice, Dave. And remember, you know, until we have a vaccine, I'm planning to still take my fish oil pills. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, dude, I don't know about you, but I'm shocked he wants us to cover Hemlock Grove, episode that, three of season that's one. really super surprising. Yeah. At this rate, I figure we'll be done season one in 2030. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. the uh, pandemic will be over by then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, yeah, now you mentioned that, that Fred brings up the, the stuff about the Icelandic language and... You know, the language of the old gods, the old tongue, and, and uh, whether it's something that Saxa still doesn't feel comfortable revealing around Loritz yet. And, and, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about when the four of them are in the car and, oh, a double date or whatever, and, <laughs> and, uh, and Loritz makes that comment, oh, no, no, the, the date is between me and Fior. We're on a yeah. date, not, not <laughs> you two. 
know? right, right. And I'm not sure anybody gets it except maybe Fior, but. Um, well, yeah, well, Sasha looks, it's like, well, we're on a date, and Lawrence is like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not the one I'm after. <laughs> right. Now, I can't remember whether Fred put had this in his feedback or whether he sent us a message on Facebook or whatever, but I clearly made the connection by the end of the episode. Fior and Roman from Hemlock's Grove. Yeah. From Hemlock Grove. Just, yeah, yeah. oh, I mean, visually, you know, mm-hmm. personality, there's just so many connections that, and, and Fred, I mean, no, granted, that that was the excuse, and I'm making air quotes, that he used uh, connections between. Uh, yeah, when, when he said that, like, oh, yeah, like, I didn't really think that, but obviously now that I think about it, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I mean, first of all, the families themselves, there's a lot of connections, but really, really, really that connection between um the uh oh who was the one from fior and uh roman there's a character's name roman yeah um that is like that is like a really really strong similarity yeah so uh yeah i mean i'm looking forward to doing it i mean you know i i am not in love with hemlock grove or obviously i would have gone back to to watch it but the two episodes that we've done for fred i've thoroughly enjoyed and suspect i'll enjoy episode three as well and you know we'll see what he's happens. just hoping just like he just keeps you know chipping away at the piece of flint and maybe this fire will catch you know i know i know <laughs> um and, and again fred brings up the the visions and and you know you you mentioned that he mentioned um as we were talking about it so uh, there, there's just so much to like about this episode and the way the details are unfolding. We, we've reached the halfway point because season one is only six episodes, mm-hmm. and you know we've we've got a, a pretty darn big reveal in episode three. So we're you know we we may maybe haven't reached the apex of you know the story arc yet, but we're getting pretty close to. Uh, this coming conflict and again whether that gets held off till season two who knows i'm guessing maybe not but yeah we're definitely going to see some kind of showdown this season you know and and probably you know who knows when but like i said you know like you said there's only six episodes so it's not like they have uh, a lot of time to uh to beat around the bush that's like actually one thing i really like about the last kingdom is like they actually have some pretty significant jumps in time so they don't spend a lot of time with these like it just it basically cuts right to the action and if it has to jump like three or four years or something to do it they do it so uh, um yeah i like that let's just give me the goods right cool all right anything else about fred's feedback you want to bring up uh nope okay all right. Well, uh, I'm glad we agree on a grade. It, it's I'm really enjoying this show at this point. It's not at all what I thought it was going to be. I, I had a feeling going in it was going to be a little bit more teenage angsty uh-huh. than this dark, you know, Nordic mythological tale that it's that's evolved into, which is. Obviously good stuff, but uh, we'll go ahead and leave it there. And that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Ragnarok, Impulse, Dark, 
anything else going on in genre TV, what you guys are watching, you know, check out the Facebook group and, you know, let us know there. Uh, emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can leave a voicemail using the speak pipe tab on the website or just record your own and send it to us as an attachment the way Fred does each week. We'll be back next time to discuss episode four of the Netflix fantasy supernatural series Ragnarok. Dude, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it this week, but until then. Okay, so Dave, next week, here's what we're going to do. Okay, next week is I'll do the talking and you just be big and strong and threatening.